Well, happy Aloha Friday. Thanks so much for tuning in here to Spotlight Hawaii. I'm Ryan Kalei joined by Yanji Denise on the platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. And Yanji, uh, we have an important conversation today as we see these COVID case counts rising here in the state of Hawaii. Yeah, those numbers yesterday were kind of a shock, frankly, to a lot of us. 243 cases. We are hoping that the outlook is better today. Joining us with the latest on that from the state capitol live at his office is the lieutenant governor, Dr. Josh Green. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, let's talk about the latest numbers. What are we looking at? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, we're looking at a spike from the 4th of July. It is definitely a pandemic amongst the unvaccinated. And today we have, uh, forgive me for that extra phone, phones are ringing off the hook today to talk about COVID. Uh, 233 cases today, 144.6 is our average for the last seven days, and we have 71 people in the hospital. So uh, we have seen a spike. This is compared to two weeks ago when we had 69 individuals uh, that came up as positive, and we had 47 people in the hospital. We also can reflect on how many people in the state are are you know suffering with COVID, and that is 632 were active two weeks ago, 1,634 are active today. So this is all a spike as a result of people who were unvaccinated, being inside, having gatherings, and that was over the 4th of July weekend. Now we're seeing community spread from these cases, and the community spread has been 78% of our cases. 20% of the cases otherwise are coming from our own travelers, our own returning uh, residents, returning back from the mainland, bringing back COVID, unfortunately, because they were unvaccinated, and 2% of the cases from uh, tourists or visitors. So it all comes back to the same point. If we're vaccinated, we have very few cases. Only 3% of our cases are amongst those who are fully vaccinated, 97% for unvaccinated people. You know, I want to go back and, and talk a little bit about the, the last time you were on this program, which was actually the 4th of July. Uh, and at that rate, the state's vaccination was at 58.3%. And you projected uh, that in two weeks, which is about now, the state would be at about 62.7% when factoring those who have already gotten that first shot. Now, as of yesterday, that number was still just below 60%. So short of that projection of 62.7%. Why do you attribute that miscalculation or why haven't we yet reached that 60%? people. They have to be personally responsible. I do think that we're going to gradually get well up to that 66% fully vaccinated, but it's going to take incentives, in my opinion, to get us over the top. I have begun, I've just begun the process with the leadership team to really kind of re-jumpstart our incentives to get well over that 70% threshold that the governor feels is important. And also with the Delta variant, people are now saying you want to get way over 70, even into the 80s and above, to get full protection for your society. So in order to get there, it's gonna take a lot of things. And let me break that down for you. First of all, I'm gonna propose a $50 per shot incentive. Say a card where people can go buy groceries. Also, I'm gonna propose that if someone brings two people to the vaccination center or site, that they also get a card. First of all, it's good because we've got a lot of food insecurity and people have been struggling. Second, it's a good investment for all of society. So if we do that, we can definitely kind of supercharge some of the vaccinations right now. And more than that, for those who have already gotten vaccinated, we should continue to reward them because we shouldn't just have these incentives for people who got the shots here at the end. 
we should make sure we beef up some of our rewards programs and lotteries and and raffles for those individuals too. Because I think that those people who have already been vaccinated among the 66% of our society, you know, they've already put out. They've already taken the responsibility upon themselves to slow the virus down. Big picture, the Delta variant is infectious. It's very, very contagious. It's spreading all across the country. Virtually every state is seeing a rise. Remember, we're the fourth best state in the country for vaccinations. Fourth best. I think we're after Vermont, Maine, and Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken. So we are in a better spot than most, yet we're still seeing increases too. So I hope people take to heart the need to get vaccinated. I hate it when it goes slowly. I would like to put all kinds of incentives in place to get us fully vaccinated because it will pay off economically if we open up sooner. It payoffs from a health standpoint immensely because we have fewer people getting sick. And I'm going to soon, I'm sure, share all of the stories with you that I've seen personally that are really tragic when people don't get vaccinated and we see loss of life. So a $50 gift card, how much of an incentive do you think that will be? Who's going to pay for that? Presumably that comes out of the state budget. How much money would you allocate to a program like that? And how much do you think it will actually move the needle? Well, I sure hope people go for it because they did do some research and $50 is the price point at which a lot of people make a decision uh, to make a change in their behavior, to get a vaccination. Imagine a family of four shows up, uh, two adults and a, a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old, and they're not vaccinated yet. That would be $200 for them to go pay for groceries. I think that would make a very large difference. I also think that a lot of people have just been sitting on the sideline hemming and hawing about whether or not to get vaccinated. It should come from state uh, response funds or state emergency funds that were allocated for the pandemic. It is a good investment. A lot of people are trying to be creative all over the country. And, you know, some states have done some done some wild stuff. They've done things that I would never do, like they gave out um, marijuana in one state. Another state, they actually, I believe, gave out um, some kind of firearms as a in a state that's very pro-gun. These are not the kind of things I would do. I would just set it up so it's very easy to do a drive through at all different spots across the state. Our Department of Health has done a great job setting up over 300 spots to get vaccinated. And then I would just give out $50 cards so that people could go buy fresh fruit and groceries. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. Remember, we did some of these things early in the pandemic, not specifically for vaccinations, but there was the $500 gift card to restaurants to both jumpstart and support our restaurant industry and also to help people to go and um, kind of not just support local business, but to help them. So it was money in their pocket. This is even more direct. It's even more substantial in the sense that it would provide good nutrition as kids are going back to school, as our families are getting back to work. And also, hopefully, it would deal with this 34% of the population that still has not yet gotten vaccinated. So this is the kind of common sense uh, approach that I would like to apply. I know it will generate a little bit of controversy because some people say, hey, don't don't reward anybody that's held out. But keep in mind, we are all suffering when there's still spread of this virus. And today's number, this 233, yesterday 243, these numbers reflect a, you know, a significant threat to our society if we don't get past this. You know, when we saw those numbers yesterday, one of the things that you had mentioned uh, in the media is that we take maybe a, a two week pause, if you will, to avoid some of these gatherings to kind of take it easy to help bring those numbers down. Uh, would that is that recommendation for those who have been fully vaccinated as well? Because, you know, we've heard on this program from leaders, uh, including yourself, who have said that 
If you're around people who have been fully vaccinated, if you're vaccinated, especially if you're outdoors, it's safe. Uh, but now there's a call maybe to have this two-week period. Could you clarify where, uh, who that pertains to and who you would like to see kind of take this time off? Well, it's most relevant for those who are unvaccinated. Definitely do not have any gatherings of any size at all if you're unvaccinated. This two-week pause for them would really benefit everybody. Also, don't be indoors not wearing a mask. You must wear a mask indoors if you're unvaccinated. You have to, or you will catch the Delta variant. Now, as to slowdowns and pauses, you know, you're also hearing in the news some breakthrough cases, though rare. There have been two fatalities recorded now for people who were vaccinated, although I want to be very clear about that. One individual was extremely elderly and probably did not, you know, amass or amount a, uh, an immune response. And the other individual had a lot of underlying health conditions, which is kind of the concern. But for everybody to take it easy a little bit is the easiest way to say it. But if I'm able to use a scalpel here, I would say the real people that need to take a pause and avoid risk are those who are not vaccinated. Because if you're not vaccinated, when you have this many cases kind of floating around society, you're just at risk. We've seen our positivity rate go up. It's now at 4.06%. Now, just two weeks ago, the positivity rate was half of that at 1.95%. So what does that mean? That means you're twice as likely to encounter a case of COVID and catch it. That's what we're seeing when people actually get tested. So I'm just telling people to chill out a little bit. Chilling out is not such a, um, a, uh, a bad recommendation. I would love people to, while they're chilling out, to go and get a vaccination if they're unvaccinated. I would also like everyone to recommit to wearing masks indoors. These are all the right recommendations to stop COVID. And I do think the numbers will come down. I know we've talked a little bit about uh, right before the show, uh, the projections from the university and those projections are quite scary. I love to see that modeling because it tells us what our risk could be. They, they model case counts going up very high, 300, 400, 500 over time and so on. That's not particularly likely because remember, two thirds of our society is now fairly well protected with the vaccination. Another 5% or so have had COVID and have some immunity. But even so, there are still several hundred thousand people, those, those under age 12 and people who have resisted getting vaccinated, all of those individuals can catch COVID now. So please everyone, don't make this a political thing. Don't look at this as big government or any, any crazy recommendation. Just look at it as a way to protect your children our kupuna, look at it as a way to get back out of this. We're still the best state in the country, but it's still also quite scary when you have a 23-year-old in the ICU, a 32-year-old in the intensive care unit. These are people who are unvaccinated, young, healthy. They should not be sick in any way. There's no way those guys should be sick with COVID or in the hospital. A 50-year-old gentleman who I heard his his heartbreaking story, he's a friend of, of, one, of my, um, one of my team, he, he passed away and left eight daughters, eight daughters who were uh, who are now without a dad and he didn't need to catch COVID. So these are the real stories for people. And I want people to know that we can avoid all of that heartache. 
Yunji's muted. <laughs> Can't go through one show without that. Uh, what do you propose when it comes to um, scaling back any of the loosening of the restrictions that we've had? Because under the previous, uh, and this pertains to Oahu in particular, under the previous administration, if we had the positivity rate that we have now, we would be in tier two. We are obviously not doing that. The current administration is, is sort of gotten rid of that tier system for all intents and purposes. What is your benchmark? What's your threshold? What is the percentage or the ICU capacity? At what point do we have to scale back? Because right now, I think what's concerning to a lot of residents is that we don't know what the rules are. We don't know where the guardrails are. Sure. So it is important to mention that the mayor before and the current mayor make that recommendation with the governor. And me insinuating myself in that just gets them all crazy. Okay. But I will say this. The right thing to look at is not just the cases and the percent positivity rate, those are relevant, but more importantly, what our vulnerability is and what our hospitals look like. We have 71 people in the hospital today. I watched this hour over hour to make sure we're okay. We had 70 yesterday, 68 the day before, and 70 the day before that. So all of these realities mean that we do have enough healthcare capacity to take care of those who we love. If that number gets out of control and we start seeing surges like we did last August, and last August we saw the numbers on August 26th get all the way up to 318 people in the hospital, then we're in big trouble and we can't tolerate that. So I think what we have to do is we have to incorporate that consideration very carefully into what we're doing because shutting down the state for people who are having, yes, positive cases of Delta, but not being particularly sick is not really the way to go. Hawaii has to survive. We have so many people that have to get back to their lives. We cannot miss out on school, for example, for another year. The developmental milestones, which we would sacrifice for our loved children, will be too difficult to, to kind of retrieve if we miss another year. You just can't live in fear forever of the COVID virus. But we have to manage our expectations about what we can tolerate, which is some hospitalizations. It's a much younger population, so we're not seeing the number of fatalities that we saw at all. We have to be real. And I know it's a tough thing to hear because my job is to try to give you a straight shot on what the real health picture is on this pandemic. If we had not vaccinated our 65 to 70 year olds or our 70 to 80 year olds or our 80 to 85 year olds, we'd be in dire straits. We'd be seeing lots and lots of fatalities. We're not seeing that. It's much more approximating a severe, a severe flu right now. That's what it's looking like. And so as long as we can manage that, I will you know, stick with what the mayors are saying, which is that we can manage the disease. We're going to be managing this for several years to come if we don't get all of our society vaccinated. And I think it's fair to say not everyone will get vaccinated because some people simply choose not to. You know, I'll expand a little bit more on on these mandates and, and these restrictions, uh, because, uh, you know, you were lobbying to lift COVID restrictions entirely when the governor's current emergency proclamation expires on August 6. And I, and I think you said that uh, by that point, we'll be at about 65 percent of the population vaccinated and adding in that 5 percent of the population that has already contracted COVID-19 and recovered would be the equivalent of that 70 percent benchmark that the governor has set. Uh, given the current numbers, is that something that you're still advocating for and something that you're pushing the governor on to lift those restrictions uh, in a few weeks when we get to August 6th? Well, let's have a more honest discussion about what's really going on here, okay? Do you think anybody is actually being policed or having um, uh, the, the mask mandate 
be enforced inside? Is anybody going into a business? Is anyone going into a restaurant and telling people you got to put your mask on? No, of course not. What's really happening is people are making personal decisions about wearing a mask or not. They're making personal decisions. And so it's more responsible to look at the numbers that are actually in front of us. The number of people that are vaccinated, the number of people who actually have, immu actually have immunity, and the amount of responsibility people show if they are not vaccinated and indoors. I never said that people shouldn't wear, vac shouldn't wear masks when they're indoors if they're unvaccinated. Never said that. Be really clear about that. What I said was extending mandates into the future indefinitely will ultimately lead people to rebel. They won't follow them and they're not enforceable. And so it's better to be pragmatic about what you can actually get people to do from a public health standpoint than to keep in place something that really causes a lot of frustration and in some cases revolt. Now the governor is gonna leave our restrictions in place and it is prudent to keep people kind of focused on wearing masks, that is true but you're not really getting very much out of a person if you're like me, fully vaccinated and had COVID, fully immune in an office space where everyone else is also immune because of their vaccinations. So really we should be focusing on how the spread occurs. And that means focusing on people who are unvaccinated, who are indoors and not wearing a mask. That's where our energy should be placed. And there's a lot of work to do on this crisis. So if you misplace energy and people try to make political games out of this kind of thing, then it's really not very constructive. So I wanna say the constructive approach is to put incentives to get more people vaccinated, to continue to give them the best public health advice, and to continue to really celebrate and reward individuals who have gotten vaccinated because they're the ones that have curtailed the virus for these many months and kept us as the lowest in the country. Okay. But just to quickly follow up, do you, so do you still believe though that we should be adding in the population of people that have been uh, who have conflicted COVID-19 and have survived, should they be included into that vaccination, I guess, uh, benchmark that we're trying to reach? Absolutely, they should. Absolutely. And what you have to do, of course, is you have to figure out the percentage of individuals that had COVID and got immunity from it. And you should not double count individuals like myself who had COVID and got immunity and then also got vaccinated. It's not a difficult calculation, actually. It would require some additional epidemiologic and surveillance work but there are ways to quickly estimate that number. It's not really that challenging. I do think that's important. When I spoke to some of the epidemiologists across the state, they felt for one thing, we have okay, 40,000 cases now that have been confirmed. They know that there have been at least three to five times as many cases in the state of Hawaii that never got tested. This is just obvious to everyone. All of those people have some immunity. Now it's not great uh, data, it's difficult to assess, but you can do that kind of work epidemiologically. And it's good information to have. Now, the better data, of course, is can you still handle the cases in the hospital? How many people are actually getting severely ill? Those are the real indicators that I focus on every day because it doesn't really matter too much if a person has COVID and they're minimally symptomatic or if they have COVID and they're willing to home quarantine or if they have had COVID and they're wearing a mask. And that doesn't matter nearly as much as whether or not society is still safe. And when you look at the number of people in the hospital or the number of people that pass away from COVID, those are numbers that we can rely on with absolute certainty. So in a, in a case where it's difficult to be certain about some things, I like to pivot towards where we have some certainty, but also that is reflective of the number of people that are actually immune in the state of Hawaii. And frankly, 
everyone in in healthcare knows that you get modest to very good immunity from having a virus. That's just what happens. This is just the science. This is healthcare. So for us not to count them, I think is a mistake. But I do defer to the Department of Health about the challenges of counting them. And they're really busy. I want to say Department of Health has done an amazing job on so many levels. There are some things I think we could still add a little bit of extra oomph to with our response. But I don't want to say anything disparaging about them. I mean, these are people that have been working now for like 16 months without a break on a pandemic when there are a lot of things that we could do as a people that would just end this, which is getting vaccinated and wearing masks. I want to bring in some of the questions from the audience here. We've got a number of questions about kids. Uh, Elisa sort of summing it up. How many children under 12 have COVID? We know from the numbers yesterday, it was over 25%. I think it was right at 27% uh, were people 18 and under. I know the Department of Health is not sort of dividing that out, but can you give us a sense of how many very young children we have getting this disease? And what are your concerns? Because school is starting in about two weeks. Well, I do have some concerns. So to go back to the population numbers, we have about 300,000 individuals under age 18. We have 216,000 individuals, Keiki, under 12. And then you can do the math quite quickly. So it kind of breaks down into a third, a third, and a third. Under five, between uh, five to 11, and then 12 to 17, the numbers that they can count. Now, this is reflective, this number 25 or 26% is reflective of the number of people in society. The young people are catching COVID. The good news is, is utterly few of them are getting very sick. Extremely few kids are ending up in the hospital. I'm not actually aware personally of any kids in the hospital right now. That might not be the case. There might be someone they haven't told me whether there's a 10 year old or a 15 year old in the hospital, but almost all of our cases have been adults. Kids have not manifested severe illness from COVID for the most part. And so that's why we have to tolerate some risk with kids going back to school. Even saying that, if parents are uneasy about sending their child, I respect that to school. And I think we should give all of those parents an option one way or another to do distance learning. It's a challenge because once again, you're setting up two totally different systems. It's hard work for the teachers. Let me give you a case about my family, right? My daughter, Maya, who was 13 last year, 14 now, she went back to school safely before there was a vaccine and no cases broke out because everyone wore masks very diligently. That school was utterly safe. She was at Iolani. She still is. They're doing a great job. My son's in public school over at a charter school. They were not in school at all. Now, he needed that schooling and I'm so excited to have him go back to school. We're confident that with mask wearing, he'll be basically safe. And even if this dear son of mine were to catch COVID, we accept the risk because in general, his illness will be very minimal because kids have been very minimally affected. And we're eager now to see him get vaccinated when it's, when it's legal, when it's possible. Maya got vaccinated when it became possible for her as a 14 year old. And that was also a great thing because she wanted to be vaccinated. She wanted to get back to normal and to be safe. So every family is gonna have to juggle these things the same way. Schools are gonna have to be smart. They'll have to keep kids in the same cohort so that there can't be spread across classrooms the best of their ability. They're gonna to have to have them wearing masks, which is a nuisance and I know difficult. We know that it's difficult to get a five-year-old to wear a mask throughout the day, but we'll do our best. And then still, if parents are worried because their child has a pre-existing condition, it's more vulnerable, we'll have to make, a, make an allowance for that and, and not punish them, but give them some other opportunities to get educated. 
but you can't go year after year after year without educating your children. That is a disaster. You can't go year after year after year and not recognize the reality, which is most kids did not catch COVID when they were out of school. So they've been okay. So I'll tell you, kids in school didn't catch a lot of COVID. Kids out of school didn't catch a lot of COVID. And when we put them back into the environment, if there's a surge in a classroom, that classroom will probably have to be tested and take a little pause. But it's a real challenging situation. I just don't think that you could go through 2021, 2022, and yet again, leave children at home, families unable to work, people being on the edge of losing their homes. I don't think that that's really a, uh, a reasonable approach to this pandemic. I want to bring in another question here. Rogel is asking, when will people need booster shots? We are now seven months in since that first uh, vaccination shots were handed out. When do you predict where uh, people will need to start getting in line once again for an additional booster shot? I think probably at the 12 month mark, I would expect we'll get good guidance from all the pharmaceutical companies that have made these things. I think that we will vet it completely through the FDA and the CDC, but usually it's 12 months when you get a booster shot for something like this. It's kind of the flu shot model. It's very possible it will go longer than that, that people's immunity will be holding, but 12 months is a pretty good uh, expectation. Uh, there's a, a, a comment here, you know, the, a lot of people saying the Delta variant is different. Um, so the circumstances are different, you know, from the ones that you laid out from education last year. Uh, how concerned are you about the Delta variant in particular? I believe it's half the cases in our state right now. You know, when, when we try to do this, these models and we try to predict how to keep our kids safe and our communities safe, uh, Delta is a different variable. Well, it is, but our situation is actually much better than it was a year ago. First of all, all of our teachers are vaccinated, or virtually all of them, and all the administrators and workers who work very hard at our schools. So it's the adults who would have become sick and would have faced the dire consequences of catching COVID. And the Delta variant has not been more severe, it's just more infectious. So it's just one of the most infectious respiratory viruses out there, but it has not been more lethal. Also, we have to acknowledge that if you do a good job with prevention, wearing masks and washing your hands, doing your best to socially distance, you're not gonna catch it. You just don't do it. You don't catch the virus. Now, I know people have tended, at least some people who write in, have tended always to the sky's falling position, but the sky does not fall if you're young. The sky does not fall if you take good prevention and the sky does not fall if you get vaccinated. The sky only falls on you if you're more elderly, if you don't get vaccinated and you're in close quarters uh, indoors without a mask on. So let's follow the science, everyone, and let's be sensible because life will have to go on. This will not be the first virus that we face, and it won't be the last either. And there are going to be a lot of variants coming out of Africa and South America in the coming years because those countries, are, our continents, are not even vaccinated at all. So these are things that we have to get ready to deal with psychologically. These are practical realities. And so you can believe me when I tell you I'm going to recommend vaccination for younger people and everyone provided that the safety has been borne out in the studies. So I've got a 10 year old, just like a lot of people who are watching, no one loves that 10 year old more than I do, except for maybe Jamie and we're tied, right? So we would never do anything uh, to put Sam in harm's way or Maya in harm's way, but we have to follow the science because they also need their education. They need to have us working so that we can provide for them. The state needs to be able to survive and move forward. And those are a lot of the considerations. So I'm grateful that two thirds of our population now has gotten vaccinated. 
I'm hoping with some incentives, whether it's my proposal or another proposal that has an equal and positive effect, gets more people vaccinated. It's great. Look, I would love it if today the last uh, 34% of our population just said, you know what? If I'm allowed to get the shot, I'm going. And in the next three to five days, everybody went and got their shots. Because there were weeks where we were doing tens of thousands of shots. That would get us through this without all of these dangerous considerations or concern considerations. But we know that some people just aren't there. And so I would hope that they will get there. I hope that they use their best judgment on their own behalf and their family's behalf, but also on the people around them in, in the community. Because if you don't get vaccinated, you may very well spread uh, the virus to someone else who didn't have the opportunity to get vaccinated because they're too young or if they've got underlying health conditions that prevent them from being vaccinated. And that's really not fair to them. So trying to be as sensible and fair to people as I can. You notice I have not talked about mandating vaccinations. I've not talked about uh, being punitive in any way, because I believe we should all get there together of our own free will. But it is important to soul search and decide what's best for not just you, but for everyone that is dear to you, because those are our values in Hawaii. You know, unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, this half an hour went so quickly, but but I do want to ask as we head out here, uh, you know, there just seems to be a lot of conflict uh, in the community and, and just two different opinions. Uh, we see it in the comment section here. We're hearing it in the community. Uh, there are people who are saying, hey, I got vaccinated. I have nothing to worry about. I I'm good. Uh, there's others who, of course, do not want to get vaccinated. We're hearing conflicts uh, in the tourism industry with locals who don't want tourism back and those who do. Uh, as a leader in our state, when you're seeing so much division that's happening within our community, especially surrounding this topic uh, and this uh, like vaccinations, uh, how do you speak to the general public as a whole uh, to try to get people to see the, the good in all of this or, or get the community to come together where there seems to be so much division that's happening uh, in our community around this topic? That's, that's a very thoughtful question. Here's what I think you do. You respect everyone, okay? Everyone should show respect for one another, and that's what I try to do. Obviously, I feel very strongly that we should all get vaccinated. It's part of my belief system. But I respect people who make a different decision, but there are still things we can all do to help protect ourselves and one another that are less, perhaps, invasive than getting a vaccination, like wearing a mask, like making a decision that we won't have a gathering right now until the counts drop again and the virus subsides. There's just so many things that can bring us together. But this is, after all, a very traumatic experience. And during intense trauma, you're going to have these kind of conflicts. And I respect them. I respect free speech. I respect people who have different opinions. What I don't respect is people taking unnecessary risk with others' health or lives. So please, everyone, just be very considerate to all those around you of different opinions. And we will get through this. After all, we've done better than any other state. Every other state who's having this dialogue is in a worse space. But as a leader, or as one of the many leaders in our state, I really feel that if we respect one another, we're gonna come out just fine. More people will get vaccinated that way, or at least more people will take the adequate precautions to not spread the virus. We're already recovering financially, economically, and it's gonna be a very good 2022 and 23 going forward, because each year will be less risky. But be mindful, we're still gonna be living with one another, even with different opinions, and that's what's going to make Hawaii strong. I got to ask this one question because David Setlow is just killing me in the comments. He, I know you got to go, but he wants to know how many of the cases today are cakey cases. And if I could tag on to that and just ask that incentive program that you're talking about, the $50 gift card for groceries or what have you, how soon could you stand that up? 
So there's uh, a lot to discuss there. And I, I have time for you. Look, the, in order to stand up a process like that, we already have relationships. It's just whether or not we have the political will to do that and to make another trial of another thing that could help. You could see that in a week or 10 days if it's decided, if it's decided by the governor and other leaders to go that way. I already heard from one prominent mayor, that person liked the idea quite a lot, even with a larger incentive, perhaps. It wouldn't take long for us to give out the cards and give them to people who got vaccinated. Now, as to how many kids each day, it's a little difficult because they don't ultimately get the data for two or three weeks till they've fully vetted all the cases and they've contact traced them. But I think it's fair to say that somewhere between 20 and 25 percent of the cases are going to continuously be children. Right now, children have been doing very well. Like I said, I've talked to my pediatric friends, people over at Capiolani. They just haven't had that many admissions. And I'm not aware, I'm not aware of an outbreak that's caused significant distress. We did have one disabled young person die earlier on in the pandemic. Remember, a traveler came in. I believe they had underlying lung conditions and they were found later to have COVID and had passed away. But that's very few and far between. COVID is not affecting our children very significantly right now. I can tell you this, if there suddenly was an outbreak amongst children, which was causing a lot of hospitalizations, there would be a clamor to shut down the whole state, in fact, the whole country. Then you would see everybody get vaccinated. And that does tell you something. We value our children so much that we're willing to do anything to protect them. We should also apply that to ourselves and our kupuna. We should do anything we can to prevent this kind of spread because ultimately it will touch every part of the population if we let it linger. So please consider getting vaccinated. I know it's not an easy sell. I know that we're going to have to use incentives and some people still won't get vaccinated, but we've come a long way. I'd like to get there faster, but each week we get a little closer and maybe we'll crack the code and get another 10 or 20% of our population vaccinated as we get FDA approval, as kids get allowed, and maybe if some incentive really starts ringing true with people. 66% uh, is great. I know 46 other states that would trade us with, for our numbers. Uh, so I'm very proud of our people. But look, I, d I don't want to sound um, preachy. I don't want to just be that doctor who says you got to get vaccinated. I know it's a hard decision. It's a decision I made and my family made. That's probably the best I can do to share with everyone. All right, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this Aloha Friday. It, it's the first time we've had you on a normal day, not on a <laughs> holiday in the first few times. So thank you for joining us uh, again all the time. And we certainly appreciate you taking our questions as well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Aloha. it. Aloha. Well, very interesting. And you heard it from him. The Department of Health, of course, releases their numbers around noon, but we got that news early today, 243 yesterday, down to 233 today. Uh, those numbers will not sit well with a lot of people. We saw it in the comments. A lot of you are very concerned and we understand that concern. It sounds like the LG does too. And that's why he says he's pushing an incentive program with the governor. His proposal is to give people $50, a $50 grocery gift card or something similar uh, to, if they'll get the shot. He says that's the number that he thinks will move the needle. And that's what the research is showing right now. Uh, so that those who have already gotten vaccinated don't miss out on an incentive. He said that he would also like for people who bring two folks to the vaccination center to also get a gift card so that if you've already been uh, vaccinated, you also have incentive to be part of this push. Uh, but Ryan, you know, that proposal is still in the, its infancy, clearly. Uh, will it work? We don't know. In the meantime, these numbers are pretty high. Yeah, really high and very concerning. And uh, only time will tell if this is something that, of course, will get uh, approval not only by the governor, but the Department of Health and as other lawmakers will also weigh in on what 
the best effort should be moving forward if further incentivizing vaccinations is something that will help move the needle and help move people towards getting that vaccination. Of course, we know that the state uh, just shy right now of 60% total vaccination. That benchmark set by the governor of 70% is still, uh, of course, 10% away. But uh, the initial, uh, those who have received that first vaccination shot, uh, about 66%, I believe he's saying. Uh, So we'll see if those numbers can kind of catch up over time as well. Uh, There are a number of other things that are happening events this week that might help to push that needle even further. Uh, The First Lady, Jill Biden, will be in town. She will be visiting a vaccination clinic on Sunday at Waipahu High School. That is also hoping to attract people who may not have been vaccinated yet to people to come out uh, as the First Lady will be addressing those uh, individuals there as well. We saw a number of you concerned about the pediatric cases. Uh, we didn't get to get, you know, the Department of Health is not breaking it down beyond just 18 and below. And uh, yesterday we saw that 27% of the cases were pediatric cases. He didn't have a specific number today, but he did say that it will be somewhere between 20 and 25% moving forward. Uh, he did try to offer some assurance that none of the hospital, none of the hospitalizations, as far as he can tell, are in children, but that could change. And he says, if that does change, then the conversation will be very different. He did also say that he's not necessarily advocating for restrictions, that, you know, he's pushing for you to lay low, wear a mask if you're indoors and whatnot, but going back to, you know, a more restricted system at, you know, at the, let's say the county level with the tier system, that's not something that he's advocating for right now. And someone who's going to be making all those decisions and have been making decisions have been has been the governor. And of course, we will be speaking to him next week to get his thoughts on what's happening here. Of course, he is very also concerned about what's happening, uh, releasing a video yesterday, encouraging people to get vaccinated. Uh, you know, and just a few weeks ago, Yanji, many people were calling for the governor to ease restrictions, that Hawaii was the only state in the country that had any restrictions still in place. And now we're seeing many governors and mayors reverse their orders to reinstitute mask mandates. Uh, we're going to hear from the governor as he has become uh, some uh, a popular figure amongst other governors in the country seeking his advice on this to- topic. Uh, so we want to get his opinion on where we're at and his thoughts moving forward as we continue to navigate through this pandemic together. Yeah, that's right. He'll be here at 1030 on Monday. Remember, this program is also on television, Channel 50, uh, KKK, rebroadcast in the evening and uh, in the morning uh, around 630, I believe, 6 or 630. I have to check my listing. And also as a podcast. So you can download us in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. This is a great way to consume this content. If you can't catch us live on Facebook, do be sure to catch one of the rebroadcasts. We appreciate all the engagement and we'll see you right back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. Aloha.